The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reeder. While you're being seated, if you would take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 1, if you're visiting with us, please don't have a Bible with you. Please feel free to use the Pew Bible and follow along uh, in the Scripture reading. Uh, We're going to take a few moments to bring our fifth study in the Advent series to this point of, even as you've been singing it, you maybe listen to the refrain and the choice of the music that has been sung tonight, from the carols to the special music. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, the very name of... Of the Messiah who has come to save us from our sins. Emmanuel. I am, uh, this will come as no surprise to the congregation and probably not a surprise to those of you who are here visiting with us, but I am not, um, I'm not very musically gifted. I think that my extent of my musical gifts probably extend to uh, giving a hymn book to somebody. That would be about it. That's my musical gift. But I am musically affected. The glorious design of God that we could take solid biblical theology, put it to melody and harmony, and sing it from the heart and to the heart. My goodness, how 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 glorious it is that something put to song has a nail that's set in the heart of theological truth. Boy, how many of them cluster around this glorious time of the year where we're seeing of the joy of fulfilled anticipation. 400 years God has been silent. Now he speaks finally in his son. God has finally spoken in his son, and we have now the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies and symbols and shadows and types and narratives, all fulfilled in Christ, in whom all of the promises of God are yes and amen. And the message goes out through the angels. Then the message goes out through the shepherds, and the message goes out through the wise men. The message goes out, joy to the world. We bring you good news of great joy that Christ has been born, the Savior. And it can be sung. Angels can sing it. We can sing it. We can marshal the use of instruments to sing it. We can arrange the notes to sing it. One of the things that we do as we we begin to plan out all of the Advent services, we begin to think of the... Uh, the contemporary pieces that are done well according to God's word. And then there's some classic contemporary pieces that are well done. And then, of course, the great hymns and the psalms that we sing around the birth of Christ. And sometimes I'll say to John, I'll say, John, let's sing. And then I'll mention the title of the song and he'll sing. He'll say, well, which arrangement? Well, I don't know. I can't hum a few bars, so uh, you'll have to figure that one out on your own. 
Maybe even last week you noticed how many times you saw up there either our own Dr. Berg or our own Dr. Haynes had done an arrangement to, for various purposes. So people have done these compositions and then they put together arrangements. Why do they do these arrangements? They do these arrangements because either there is some lyric they want to highlight musically, some some combination of notes that they want to emphasize. They're, they've done an arrangement in order to bring the composition to some emphasis, to some, uh, to some detail, to some theme, to some truth, to some principle that they want to settle deeply within the heart, and thus the various arrangements. Well, that's really what you got in your Bible. We have the story of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has come into the world. And the Holy Spirit led the writers of Scripture to arrange the account with different emphases. The Apostle Paul tells of this glorious birth of Christ with a glorious hymn that he writes that got incorporated into the early church. You find it in Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, that although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. And taking the form of a man, in appearance as a bondservant, he humbled himself to be born. And then to die on the cross for our sins. Or John, the writer of the Gospel of John, as you heard it read earlier in the Advent readings. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And now this light has come into the world. Or John 1.14. The Word has become flesh and has dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Or Luke. Luke brings the emphasis to the birth of Christ through Mary, even giving us a genealogy in Luke chapter 3, emphasizing the faithfulness of God to his word by the choice of this one who would be the fulfillment of Isaiah 7:14. Behold, the virgin shall give birth. That not only would there be a virgin conception and a virgin pregnancy, but even she would be kept by her husband as a virgin unto the birth itself. So that there would be no doubt this is not another son of Adam. This is a new Adam who has come to raise the sons of earth that we might have a second birth. And they bring that, Luke brings that emphasis to that glorious moment in the fields of Bethlehem. The birth announcement of Christ. Born unto you this day in the city of David is a Savior. Born what? Not just a babe. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then, of course, Matthew takes us to the, away from the, Appointed mother to the adopted father. This is what he says as he gives his arrangement. They see how they work this. It's all the same event. 
But with their arrangements, they are emphasizing certain themes, which, of course, is a blessing for somebody like me who just went through an entire series looking at the portraits of those who have attended the birth of Christ. So when I want to take a look at Mary, thank you, Luke. When I want to take a look at Joseph, thank you, Matthew. When I want to when I want to be able to take a look at the shepherds, thank you, Luke. Wise men, thank you, Matthew. That all of them have put this together, this composition, so that we can see this historical event that happened in history. Pastor, did this really happen? The virgin give birth. Have you all heard the word impeach recently? Impeach is when you throw something over. When you render it obsolete. There were multiple opportunities when these Gospels were written in that very first century to impeach the witnesses. Can you, Mary, Joseph, shepherds, wise men, angels, and all of those who read these Gospel accounts, affirming them as true? This truth stands unblemished. But all of these arrangers of the gospel event with their different emphasis have brought us to the focal point. And that's the manger. It's not Mary. It's not Joseph. It's not the wise men. It's not the shepherds. These are all attendees to it. And they become attendants to that king when they get there. But the focus is right there. And this is why it's so important what is said to, to Joseph. Here's what he says. He says in, verse, in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. In other words, this is a historical event. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph. So they have initiated their marriage betrothal. That when, before they came together, they had not yet consummated the marriage. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. There is the fulfillment of the prophecy to Isaiah. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. But knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Many of you are here Sunday after Sunday, and one month every month we have the opportunity to celebrate Christian baptism, either the baptism of believers or the baptism of the covenant children of believers. And you've heard me say many, many times right there, Father, name your child and the blessing. That formula comes out of the Old Testament, 
where they didn't have the sign baptism. They had the sign circumcision. Baptism has now replaced it, but it would be the same formula. Father, name your child and the blessing. Joseph has something to say. His name, Emmanuel. The blessing, he will save his people from their sins. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. So here is this phenomenal moment. You can see what's going through Joseph's mind, can't you? I mean, just think of it. He he is, as I've mentioned to our congregation, the four steps of marriage in in the scripture were consent, commitment, that's betrothal. Then comes a period of time in which you are identified as husband and wife, but without the privileges of intimacy. Then would come the ceremony and after the ceremony, the consummation. So clearly they have been through commitment and consent. They have not arrived at ceremony or consummation. And the news gets them. Now, we're not given. Matthew does not give us any of the inside details of how it got to him, what he processed, how he processed. But we can read between the lines. He has heard that Mary is with child and he is broken hearted. He's got a problem. He's a man. He's a good man. He's a righteous man. He's a compassionate man, and he's a man that cares. So he has to act upon this. He's got two choices. One would be a public statement. The other would be a private divorce with two witnesses. He chooses the way of graciousness and compassion. You can see he is so overwhelmed by it, and I'm reading into it a little bit here, but my goodness, he just collapses into sleep. And it is there that the angel visits him and communicates to him just as his namesake Joseph had received message from the Lord in a dream. So now this Joseph of the line of David, this one of the tribe of Judah, the son of David, this one who was of the seed of Abraham now receives a message. And that message is don't fear. She is faithful. She is now still without intimacy. What she has is the miraculous gift of the Spirit of God. The Messiah has come. The Word has become flesh to dwell among us. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate. Deity. So now is given to us two statements. Who is this in that manger? Emmanuel. God with us. But not only is the question, who is this answered? An even perhaps more perplexing question. Why? Is this. And the answer is. God has come to save his people from their sins. There is the answer to all the issues of the age. 
You can search for them politically, economically, recreationally, in your hobbies, in, in, in relationships. You can search for the answer anywhere and everywhere. It will never be, it will never be sustaining. The answer to the cry of our heart is how can a man and a woman be right with God? Now comes God's answer. And the answer is, God has come to us to be with us, to be one of us. Why? To save us from what? Our sins. To save you and me from the power of our sins from the eternal judgment of our sins, from the destruction of our sins, to save us even one day from the presence of our sins. That's what he has done. Folks, I love to speak of my Savior. And I am overwhelmed at the great privilege to do it Lord's Day after Lord's Day in the life of this congregation. And then special opportunities like this. I never want any of them to be overlooked or missed. Because what's at stake here is not simply you having a good meal tomorrow. What's at stake here this day is have you received the indescribable, unmerited, undeserved gift from God, His Son Jesus, given for the sons of earth, given that we might have a second birth, given that we might have life eternal. I can look into the skies, as one Puritan preacher once said, I can look into the skies and the heavens. And I can see the majesty of God by the light of creation. I can see God in his glory above us. I can look at the law of God, knowing I'm a sinner. And as I look at the law of God, I see God against us. Then I look to the manger. And now I see the glorious truth from all eternity. God for us. God with us. God one of us. God has come to save us. My friend, if you believe that, then you must tell the world. That Christ has come to save his people from their sins. My friends, if you have not yet believed that, then I invite you from the precarious position of being under the judgment of God to the assured position of everlasting life by putting your trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to us to be one of us, 
for us to save us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Let's pray. Just in the quiet of this hour, if you've never made that commitment to Christ, may I invite you to him even now. In the glorious truth that he can be yours and you can be his. There is no ritual you have to go through. You simply come to him. That's why he came for you to open the way. He is the way. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I turn from my sins, my treason against you. And now I give my heart, life and soul to you who came to die for me. In the shadow of all of that wood in the stable was 33 years later. A wooden cross where he would bear your sins. Would you come and put your trust in him now? Then you, as well as all here now who know Christ, I tell you, Matthew opens this way. Emmanuel, God with us. As you deal with the Lord now. Matthew ends his book this way. Lo, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reader, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.